Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Randall Show, we talk about dealing with shoulder labral repairs in our overhead athletes. The Ask Mike Reinhold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I'm here, Champion PT and Performance, uh, team of our physical therapists and strength coaches here answering your questions. Anything you want to talk about, physical therapy, sports performance, career advice, we're here for you. Just let us know. Head to MikeReynolds.com, click on that podcast link, and you can ask us questions. So let's see, what do we have today? We have Dave Tilly, Dan Pope, DeWesh Podell, Kevin Coughlin, Mike Scaduto, Lane McCrean, and Jonah Monlock here answering your questions. Len, who do we have for students today? We have a large crop of students that we've had now for a few weeks. It's amazing how we've been able to carry all these students all these weeks. Um, are, you guys, have, are you guys changing positions? <laughs> I just noticed that. <laughs> Rotate. <laughs> Love it. Uh, okay, so we have apparently uh, Matt is reading, so I'll read Matt's name first. We have Matt Ellison from the University of Wisconsin at La Crosse. We have Chris Clary from Anderson University in the beautiful state of South Carolina. We have Daniel Quillen from Mary Baldwin University, which is apparently in Virginia. Uh, we have Jake Woodrich in Deuville in upstate New York. Go Bills, I guess. Like, if I'm, am I going to root for the Bills this year because the Patriots aren't good? And we have Anthony Vedetto. From here in Massachusetts, Massachusetts College of Pharmacy, Health Sciences, and everything else. Have you guys ever looked up a word on how to pronounce it and like Googled it? Right, I do that right now. And then you know, like how they they try to tell you like how like which syllable to accentuate. Right? Did I say that right? Right? I feel like Lenny is on the wrong one often. Right? Like he's the wrong sil- syllable is the focus. Syllable? I mean, I say syllable. Is that not how you say it? I feel like you, you emphasize, like, I don't know. Anyway. It's, it's, just, it's just the wrong syllable, I think. It's, it's, it's the right my, word. It's my but. thing. It's my thing. <laughs> anyway, all right. Students, what do we have today for, for uh, what do we have for a question today? All right. We got a long one here. Uh, so Seth from South Carolina wants to know. Take a deep breath. Uh, in overhead athletes who have labral repairs, do the surgeons take into account retroversion of a throwing athlete's shoulder? I personally had this surgery and have the same experience with treating patients where they don't want you to stretch them that much since they want the capsule to tighten up. The problem that seems to arise is they get 90 degrees of external back, which is normal, but as for overhead athletes, it's usually around 120 degrees. I know personally because I have a lot of asymmetrical movement patterns in the gym. Obviously, this will be amplified even more if a pitcher is trying to regain velocity with limited payback. Payback into ER with They are typically DC before we get them to a point that we can even try the extra ER back per surgeon, even if they're an athlete. Right, which I feel like your last sentence just. Oh, great job, by the way. That was a good paragraph from it. Being good, good job. Orator. Yeah. I, 
I like that. That was very Ron Burgundy too. Like you didn't, you're like, look, I'm not going to change it to layback. I'm saying payback because that's what he, that's what he wrote. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Um, So that's payback to you, Matt, but Seth, I apologize uh, for for that. I'm sure that was an autocorrect, but uh, uh, you know, I I think, you know, you have a couple facets to this question. I mean, the second part was that, you know, you run out of visits before you can get them back to their thrillers motion, Uh, you know, just to touch on that quickly. I, I think you get a, yeah, I think you get a retweak how you do your visits then if that's the case because if you don't have back to throwers motion you haven't done your job so i would say on that part you're gonna have to extend that out a little bit but i'll start it off with this and then and then throw it out there you know maybe maybe lenny or mike or somebody can jump in here too but like you know there's a reason why these surgeries are kind of going away right and these are almost like last ditch efforts now in overhead athletes um when when scopes were becoming popular you know decades ago and, and we were doing this we were trying to do these more often and i think our success rates with shoulder surgeries weren't as high as we'd like and just like you know it's it's because like the surgeon doesn't go in there and they just they do a certain thing and they know exactly how much range of motion that's going to restrict that they're seeing instability and they're putting some anchors and 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 sutures in there and trying to tighten it up and it it's it's subjective right it's you know you can you, you can over tighten it easy you can under tighten it easy right and remember the surgeon's job is to is to get rid of that instability so they're probably going to err on the side of being too tight more often but just like you said that's the kiss of death in a baseball player so i i'd say that you're right and this is why we're starting to see this less and less and less right um so from there i don't know who wants to take this here like so you know uh, you know, Len, what what are some tips here? How do you get them back to their yeah. rower's motion? You know, he mentioned that 90 degrees. It, it seems like they're just having all their people follow a general ortho protocol maybe and not do anything different. Right. But what do you do different in, in your overhead athletes? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm aggressive. I can't be. You can't be aggressive with these. you got to protect. The, the primary goal, if this surgeon is doing capsule shifts or even a, a slap repair or a labor repair, um with not necessarily a gross instability, meaning they didn't dislocate, but the surgeon determines that they have a labral tear, they got to fix it. Like Mike said, it's very um, subjective how they fix things back down, the capsule and the labrum back down to the glenoid rim. And so losing motion is common. And that's why our slap repairs failed uh, big time is they stopped, I think, Fleissig and ASMI put a study up, they lose motion. And so that's a huge determinant of how they can get, how they can get back to throwing a baseball, you need, as you said in the question, at least, you know, 115, 120 degrees of, of layback or external rotation to throw. And if they're ended up with 90, because the protocol says only go to 90 or the surgeon says, you know, I want a stable shoulder first, don't stretch them out. And you, you kind of have to listen. Um, but man, you got to figure out ways to cut corners and get more visits after the three months is up because they do need that rotation. So again, the primary role of that surgeon is to get stability in a baseball shoulders, baseball player's shoulder. Um, and after anything after that, it's a bonus. Now, should that surgery uh, have been done in the first place? I don't know. We're starting to question whether or not some of these labor repairs, not quite, not starting to, we know, <laughs> you know, if they, if they're doing a slap repair in a baseball player, basically they have a 50, 50 chance of getting back. I think at best, I would say at best, probably even worse than that. It's probably 30% chance of getting back to throwing normally. Um, and so you get a, that's like a last ditch, as Mike said, last ditch effort to throw out to, to play baseball. And hopefully you've tried everything and you've ruled out other stuff. We're seeing, you know, a lot of anterior shoulder pain and things of that nature. That is not necessarily labral. It looks labral on an MRI, but it's not. It's oftentimes 
uh, could be a million things. It could be uh, TOS. It could be PEC. It could be LATS. It could be Terry's. Um, so many different structures in the front of the shoulder that you got to pay attention to. Neurovascular, uh, I guess that would be TOS. So, yeah, you have to figure out a way to get that motion back. Um, but again, the primary role is to get a, a stable shoulder by the surgeon. They're doing everything they can to get that stability back. It's tough, but I, I, would, I don't know. I would uh, try to get into that surgeon's head a little bit more and figure out what they saw in the shoulder and figure out how you can uh, get that motion back. Yeah, I, I think you talked about the surgeon specifics a little bit too, Len. I think I like that. You know, some surgeons don't work with a lot of overhead athletes, right? That's not a that's not a negative. That's not a, a slight towards them. They just don't work with a lot of overhead athletes. So if you're working with a surgeon that works with all football players that dislocate their shoulder and then they work with a baseball pitcher, I think the chances of them over tightening it is going to be high, right? Um, so, you know, I think if you're a baseball player and you need this type of surgery, you need to seek out whoever does the most of these in your area or even be ready to travel. Right. Because I mean, heck, at this point in time, it, it's a quick flight and probably, you know, less than a half day drive to somebody. Right. So you can you can you can find somebody that can probably help you with this because you really need to see somebody that understands the subtlety of this. Right. Don't over tighten it. Don't put a million anchors in there. Right. And actually try to, um, you know, balance that that um, that blend between, you know, stability and mobility, which is good. Um, what else? Anybody else have anything to add? I mean, I have a couple other thoughts, but I want to see if anybody else wants to jump in in there i don't know mike what do you think like i know you know you work with a lot of these athletes with shoulder pain like i'd even be curious how many labor repairs have we seen in the last year or two you think uh i've definitely seen quite a few um and they you know it's kind of like 50 50 with with how well they get back into throwing to be honest and the big thing is they get stiff Um, but in terms of strategies that i'll use right the, the first step after um you know i say a labor repair obviously is to protect the repair so we're not doing a ton of uh, stretch, stretching or any real range of motion into external rotation at 90, um, probably for the first six to eight weeks. And then I'll gradually start kind of easing that back in, you know, obviously checking the protocol and making sure that's okay and talking with the doctor. Um, but once we can, I'll start kind of easing that back in and tend to do less intense stretching at a higher frequency. So a good amount of our session will be low intensity uh, passive range of motion into external rotation where we're kind of going just to the point of the end feel and just kind of easing into it, um, but doing a bunch of reps there. I will say, uh, in my experience, these people somewhere in the like 10 to 14 week mark tend to get a little bit stiffer um, and they tend to start plateauing or start to lose a little bit of motion. So just kind of be aware that there may be a point in the rehab where they do start to plateau. And if you're in an insurance-based model, maybe that's where you're running out of visits kind of in that window. Um, I would say that's big, a big piece of education as to what patients can do on their own to maintain range of motion, whether that's active assistive range of motion, some kind of gravity assisted range of motion, a low, low, long duration stretch. Again, not where we're um, pushing into an intensity that would jeopardize any kind of damage to the repair, uh, but something to maintain motion, get them over that plateau. Um, and then from there, I'm, I'm constantly measuring their range of motion. Every time they come in, I'm, I'm taking a number before we start taking a number after we do soft tissue, I'm taking a number if we are doing some joint mobile, uh, joint mobilizations, I'm taking a range of motion number and I'm trying to restore that total arc into an acceptable range, you know, bilaterally. If we're fortunate enough to have numbers for the shoulder pre, pre-surgery, you know, that kind of gives us a target. Like what was your external rotation pre-surgery? We can kind of get close to that. Um, and then I will say, you know, around the time where they start to think about getting back into throwing, um, if their external rotation is, is pretty good and their total arc is within, 
10, 15, 20 degrees of their non-throwing side. Um, I won't push it a ton and, and kind of let throwing maybe bring back some of that last little bit of external rotation and just continue to monitor. So I'm not overstretching um, because we, we're hypothesizing that throwing will help them get a little bit of range motion back as long as they're not super duper stiff. And then we're just continuing to kind of monitor what happens to their range motion over time. That was meter. Sorry. I, I, I like that, Mike. And I think as an example, like in the clinic, which is really nice, like, you know, just the last couple of weeks, I had a, a, a baseball player that had this surgery and he started his throwing program because it was weak X, but I thought he was significantly tight. Right. So there's a difference between just needing a little bit, like you kind of mentioned and being significantly tight. So um, you can definitely have like that bounce back effect where if you're too tight and you start throwing, it's going to get worse. It's going to get way worse. Um, you know, I, I, I think the key, if you kind of listen to what we heard so far, I think the key of putting all this together is gradual and steady progression of range of motion is, is probably going to help this person get better the best. You know, if you break it up into chunks, like the first four weeks, you're doing a lot of like gentle range of motion within like short, medium ranges of motion, right? And then from week four to week eight, you gradually open that up to be a normal orthopedic person. And that's probably where, uh, Seth, your, your physicians are stopping you, right? From four to eight week, you progress to normal orthopedic, but from eight to 12 week, you progress to become a thrower, right? Because at 16 weeks, you got to pick up a ball, right? So you see how like they all have to like progress a little bit here. You want to be slowly kind of working your way through that. And I think if, if, if you, if you're uh, uh, on top of that person each week to week, hopefully you won't have that little bounce back that, like Mike said, that happens sometimes, you know, between 10 and, and 14, you know, it, what tends to happen is that the person's like increasing their activities too much and like annoying it a little bit, or, you know, they go on vacation or, you know, they're, they're out of the clinic away from you for like a week or two in the middle. Like, you know, we see that a little bit and they have this like, kind of like this bounce back. So, um, so good kind of question, Seth. Um, I think the key to this obviously is, is, you know, starting from the beginning and just making sure that these, these people aren't being overtreated, right? We're not just jumping into surgeries when they don't need them. Make sure they go through a, a good non-op treatment progression to see if they even need this. And then if they do, it's gradual, steady, make sure you get that back over time. And I'd space out your visits a little bit better, right? There's going to be this range probably in the eight to 12 week zone, right? Where they're going to be kind of on cruise control with a lot of their therapy, but still need you to monitor and progress their range of motion and make sure they're not getting it, uh, make sure they are getting it back. So, uh, so good question, Seth. Thanks so much. If you have a question like that, head to micron.com, click on that podcast link and ask away. And please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review. We'd really appreciate it. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinald.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.